Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host Jonathan and this is DCI number 98. In this episode, Brian and I get to talk to the three brothers behind Butterscotch Shenanigans, which is possibly the best name for a studio ever. Anyway, we are talking to Seth, Sam, and Adam Coster about their new game, Crashlands, which is a top-down action RPG building game where uh, you can build everything, and it sounds really funny. We had a great time talking to these guys, and just so you know, the the beginning of our talk, the part before the actual interview, uh, is, is saved for you at the very end of the episode. So after you hear the music, keep listening, uh, because these guys are really funny, and they have their own podcasts, and there'll be a link for that in the show notes to this episode on darkstation.com. There you can also find more information about the game as well as trailers. You can follow us on Twitter at darkstation underscore com, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and send us an email at podcast at darkstation.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. got sam adam and uh your seth seth your your <laughs> picture on your picture on skype is very small and so the name is not just popping up like it was on the other two so well, it's <laughs> so the other size, it's not the size uh, that counts that's right it's so i'll write it down now i can remember i should have done that before but you know whatever i'm high on ginger ale something i don't know <laughs> Anyway, how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Ginger wave. Good. Doing, doing great. Mm-hmm. Busy. We're we're working our butts off trying to get our game out the door. It's a struggle. It is. It's a struggle every day. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, before we get into the game itself, who are you guys? And what do you Yeah. Do? Seth. Yeah, Seth, who, you should introduce yourself since you didn't get introduced yet. Nobody even knows who you. Who oh are. my God! Uh, well, I'm I'm Seth, uh, and I'm one of the three brothers here. We're Butterscotch Shenanigans. We're a independent game studio. We've been in the biz, as they say, for mm-hmm. two and a half years. A uh, long time. Yeah. So it started with uh, just uh, Sam and I. We were previously working at a larger studio, and we left to do our own thing. And we launched uh, four games, and then Adam got his PhD in um, cellular biology. Cell and molecular biology. Cell and molecular biology. And then naturally, uh, he stopped doing science and started making video games with us. So he's been with us since last July-ish. And and our next game coming out is called Crashlands, and it's a huge action-crafting RPG thing you can see it at crashlands.net it's sort of like sort of like jazz fusion you know it's got it's just got elements it's got elements of everything sort of slapped together in a very displeasing way (laughs) (laughs) so if 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 jazz fusion was a video game it would be (laughs) crashlands is that Uh, that what you're saying it's good it's good it's good 
Hey, I, it's more like dubstep now that I think. Or like electro funk. That's what mm. I'm Electro funk. Yes. Yeah. Electro funk step. All right, mm. I, I can go with that more than dubstep because I'm not a huge fan of the the dubs. That's just because you haven't listened to enough dubs. <laughs> you just yeah. Once your you once to... your ears bleed enough, you you start to like it. Yeah, you got to hear enough bass drops, and then you'll just mm. be all about the bass you drops. You just can't get enough. All about that. No, we're not going there. Never mind. Anyway, all right. So, <laughs> <laughs> what of each of you? What do each of you do, kind of respectively, on on the game at the studio? Uh, I do as little as possible, uh, as physically yeah. possible. That's Sam's. It's on his business card. <laughs> That's minimal, good. I minimal work in design. It uh, turns out to still be a lot, though. Yeah, so the least possible happens to be all of the art, the PR, and the social media stuff. Yeah. Right. So that's what I do. <laughs> Sam, is he's made, what is it, 2,000 art assets in this game or something like that? Yeah, there's a lot of things. Every, everything you see... Um, that's sort of like the outward-facing component of our games and our studio. Uh, Sam designed it. So, uh, and then I do all I do all the uh, game programming. So that's pretty much my niche. I also manage the business stuff, but you know nobody cares about that. So, nope. uh, uh, yeah. So I just <laughs> I, I code the games, and I do all the web development. So we have this we have this thing now in our games called Bscotch ID, which is this like uh, you know we have cross game perks and we have a social network and all that jazz. And so I do Smooth all of that jazz. website programming stuff. Just to bring it back to jazz, electrofunk. Yeah. So, so you're telling me it's like you play? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Kind of, except it doesn't suck. That's great. Wait, wait I've never to... heard of you play. What is you play? <laughs> it's Ubisoft's version of oh, Steam right. slash this thing. Yeah. We're trying to we're trying to lean it more toward like a Battle.net kind of okay. thing. Okay, that's people seem to uh, like that, so that's that's probably a good one to go with there. Yeah, well, it's mostly yeah. because you know we our, our all of our previous games are on mobile, and now we're going to have this game that's going to be on Steam and mobile, and uh, and and we've just been having to deal with all the things that each distribution platform wants. They each want us, you know, Google Play wants us to use their games, Google Play it? games, Play games, and iTunes wants us to use whatever the hell theirs is called, Game Center, and then Steam <laughs> wants us to use Steam. Steam Whatever. achievements, Steam achievements, and so any you know each one of those is subject to change at any time, and, and each one has their set of cheaters that climb leaderboards, and and we have very limited ability to actually do stuff with with those with those uh, platforms, and so we were just like fuck this, let's make our own and uh, and have it so that we can actually have cross platform friending and, and all that kind of stuff. That's a good attitude so, to have. Fuck this, yeah. let's make our own. That is, yeah. Yeah. I think it's that's where some consuming. of the best things are made. Yes, well, time-consuming, absolutely. The cool but. thing that's come out of it is that, uh, so with Crashlands, for example, it's going to be on PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. And if you own it on PC, and then you also own it on Android, for example, uh, you can play it on PC, and then you can sync your save with Bscotch ID, and then you can pick up the same save on your mobile device and just keep playing. So that's something we're pretty excited about and we wouldn't be able to do that if we just relied on all these other third party you know uh platforms or whatever mm -hmm. so so we can we can do that now it's great nice mm -hmm. yeah what what else does it allow you to do to you you mentioned uh you know kind of uh cross oh, yeah, we got perks this. and stuff like yeah that. right well yeah I and mean, we were trying to find a way to you know we found that basically what well, it came out to like something like one percent of, of our players played any more than one of our games. 
which seemed really low because uh, we have a, you know we have a lot of players we have a lot of people who seem to enjoy it but they they don't even try our other stuff and we figured it's because they didn't even know that it existed so we we're trying to come up with a interesting you know fun compelling way to tie our games together um, so that people would actually have some incentive to go check out other games. Yeah, so, so if you take, like, uh, if you make it to space, for example, in Flop Rocket, uh, which is where you're trying to pilot a very floppy ship. Um, through a cave. Through a cave. If you make it all the way to space, which is, like, a sort of eight-hour journey uh, for most players, then you actually get not, to use... Not eight hours continuous. Eight hours... Yeah, on average of playtime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's good, because that'd be a long trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you got to do it in one go. I think it's about so. seven minutes for most people. I didn't know you guys were doing the new desert bus. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, flop rocket desert bus edition. Um, but yeah, we we actually pull the rocket once you get into space. We pull it into uh, Roid Rage, which is like a game that takes place in space, and you get to control the rocket just like you would control it in flop rocket. So that sort of stuff, we actually get to pull characters in, and we're building sort of we're building a connected universe of all of our all of our games and IP and stuff. Yeah, so story-wise and otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't have achievements that actually felt like they did something interesting besides just pop up a little thing that says, hey, you got this achievement, where that was the end of it. <laughs> so these ones actually change the other games when you get them, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I hear somebody dying in the background. Don't worry about it. It's just <laughs> popcorn. It's just popcorn, popcorn. assault. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so B-Sketch ID is sort of our... What we also found was that once we brought that in, then that crossover of players uh, spiked pretty dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once somebody logged into Scotch ID, then the probability of them playing another one of our games was... 25%. Was it at about 25%. Oh, wow. um, so... Uh, so it's sort of like they just they we just felt like maybe they just didn't know about the other games or didn't have any connecting thread to bring them over there. So once they were in, then then it really helped. So yeah. let us kind of build up our fan base a little bit better. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Now you guys, uh, you mentioned that you are kind of spread out a little bit. Where are you guys actually located? Uh, so Seth and I are in St. Louis in Missouri. And then Adam is over in Dallas, Texas. Yep. For uh, now. For now. Next year, uh, he'll actually be coming up here, which is okay. going to be awesome. So they'll be 100% based in St. Louis at that point. The cool thing about that is we go and, uh, you know, we go to GDC every year and, and listen to the talks. Uh, a lot of them by, by indie studios who are, you know, there's a lot of indie studios in, you know, LA or uh, San, Francisco. San Francisco or a lot of the big cities. Um, and the downside, of course, of doing that is that everything is so freaking expensive for them. Uh, but you compete, you know, compete globally with everybody. So uh, we, on the other hand, being in St. Louis, get to enjoy get to, to enjoy the low rents of the city and uh, and kind of keep our keep our business lean so we can survive a bit easier, which is cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's something we never quite understood. Is a lot of a lot of people, if they want to get into games, they they uh, or even if they want to set up their own studio, they deliberately go and set up shop in places where the cost of living is up to three three to five times as much as it is in the Midwest. Um, I think maybe part of it is trying to attract talent. There's you know there's this idea that if you if you go to Silicon Valley or something, you're going to get much better, uh, much better, much more highly skilled people to work for you or something. But uh, I don't know. I just don't know if that's true. We'll find out. Yeah. So, 
yeah. Yeah. But on top of that, we're trying to grow the game dev community here in St. Louis. Um, I mean, about, I think it was about, what was it, Sam, about four and a half or five years ago yeah. was the first uh, St. Louis game jam, which had about four people in it. And nowadays we get about 200, and, 200 to 250 people at game jams here, which puts St. Louis at the uh, fourth largest game, like global game jam site in the United States and 16th worldwide. Wow. So there's there's actually a crap ton of sort of budding game developers here. So that's pretty that's pretty exciting because we get to be right there in the epicenter of it and trying to you know help that grow, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Sweet. Now, is it just the three of you that make up butterscotch shenanigans? Yep. All right. All right yeah. All although right. we do, we do have a music guy who we contract out to. You, you have a guy. We yeah, got a guy for that. We got a guy. He's not. He's not a part of our studio directly, but we we bring him on board, sort of at the end of, you know, at the end of production to polish up sound effects and make music and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it's pretty much just the three of us. Sweet. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Sweet. Now, now you mentioned that, um, was Sam and Seth. You guys were mm-hmm. both at a video game studio previously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Uh, so, how, how did you guys kind of get into that? realm did you go to school for game design or, or how did that yeah. all start? uh both of us went to school for other stuff seth for much longer or i guess adam went to school for other stuff for the longest mm-hmm. uh, I, I climbed the whole ladder <laughs> none of us went to school for what we are currently doing yeah i got a psych gotcha. degree um okay. and then i was i was actually i'd gotten a job on the east coast to be a, a tech consultant of some sort uh, and then went to a game jam here in St. Louis, and Seth came down for the game jam, and we teamed up and busted out a game in 48 hours that was hilarious called Tal Fight of the Gods, which was the precursor to the game that we released um, the next year, which is our first commercial game, which was Tal Fight 2, the Monocle of Destiny. And uh, <laughs> we managed to get hired on the spot, actually, uh, just like in the parking lot. So that's that's how we accidentally kind of or, yeah, yeah. The uh, the CEO of this of this uh, studio here in St. Louis was at the game jam, and he saw what we had made, and so he was just like, "You guys need to come work for me. I will make positions for you." So and we were like, "Okay." Yeah, <laughs> I I was in law school and business school. I was doing my MBA and and a law degree at the time. So I just left. I was up in Iowa, so I just said, "All right, I'm out." So I left and I moved down to St. Louis and. And started making games. And if you play the game, so the game that we worked on at that uh, studio was called One Epic Night, Night with a K. Oh, yeah. And uh, Sam is the voice of the night. So if you want to hear more of his, you know, chocolatey bass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also the voice. Is of that the, the was that the endless runner? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. Holy crap! I've actually got that on my phone. That it. I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I yep. was yeah. one okay. of the I was one of the programmers that on is, that. And that Sam was Sam. the voice. Yeah, I've, that I, totally. Yep. <laughs> Brian, I've I've screamed at you after a lot of failures. I take it. Yes, yeah, many. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yep. It totally totally makes sense now. All right. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Sam, are you also the voice on the uh, trailer for Crashlands? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Has the that's, voice. A, that's that's a good trailer. I'm just gonna. He's say. the talent. Thank you. Yeah, that's, we that's, uh, that's we don't have any you know money to to hire real voice actors, so 
So we were like, well, Sam's made noises with his mouth before. We'll just sign him up for that. Well, the, uh, the great thing about the trailer was that, I mean, so hearing, so you can hear Sam talk now, and you know that this is just what he sounds like. And so if you listen to the trailer, you're like, oh, he was, he was almost just talking like his normal voice in the trailer. Uh, but we still get all these... inflected. Yeah, we still get all these comments on the trailer with like, man, this narrator is really just trying way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, like fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. This is just how I talk. <laughs> that's my voice. It's just me. It hurts. And actually, we got that comment in uh, on there's a lot of the reviews of One Epic Night as well. They're like, this narrator is just way over the top. This is just ridiculous. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with this night? No, nobody yeah. talks like this. Yeah, right. So uh, that happened a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. So. All right, so outside of Sam's ridiculous narration, uh, what it, what's Crashlands? What what is he actually talking about in that trailer? Because there is an awful lot of craziness and some simple building mechanics. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so we uh, much like finger painting, I hear. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, all of <laughs> us are are uh, big fans of the crafting genre in general. So you know, Terraria, Don't Starve, Minecraft. Um, Not necessarily a survival, but crafting. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to kind of do our own our own spin on that, but then take all those elements that we always found to be kind of uh, curious, which is, you know, the fact that you have to just manage your inventory repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. And, and sort of like the, the better you do at uh, harvesting stuff, the more time you have to spend not playing the game because you have to manage all the stuff that you harvested. Um so we wanted to, to essentially examine those things that we found to be kind of arduous about crafting games in general, which is which tends to tends to boil down to inventory management um, and and building, which is usually done block by block. Uh, and you have to like you know walk, you have to walk a step, put down a thing, walk a step, put down a thing, put things into your limited hotbar to put them down, um, all those things. So we mm-hmm. we took a sort of critical eye to it, and we said, what if we just you know didn't do that to the player um what happens and it was really cool because once we when we sort of when we step when we embrace the genre and then sort of step back from what people have done before as opposed to just you know doing the same thing rinsing repeating um we found there's a lot of other room for really fun design mechanics because of those changes to uh the building and the and the crafting and making that easier um which is kind of less of a pain in the ass uh, i made it so we could do we could do more stuff with story which is actually going to be a big big component in Crashlands, which is a big differentiator from, you know, Don't Starve or, or Terraria or Minecraft, where there isn't much of a story. They're uh, just like, you are in the wilderness. Yeah, and that kind of happens story. In, in almost every uh, crafting game nowadays. Is uh, They kind of just, they set up all the systems and then put you into the world. And part, part of the fun, of course, is like, you know, figuring out how the systems work, figuring out uh, those sorts of things, but, but a lot of times, and I'm, I don't know if this happened to you guys, but it took me like two years to actually play Terraria for the first time because uh, every time I hopped into it, I was like, I don't know why I'm doing anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know? well, yes. Well, I mean, my, yeah, my feeling with Terraria and, and Minecraft was that those games are fun because you play them with other people. And so you, you together you come up with a project that, right. you know, that, that can exist because the game is there. The game is, is the environment in which you get to make up your own games. Um, but if you play it by yourself, it, at least for me, I, I can't play this by myself. 
unless I've been playing with somebody else and we have a goal that I can continue working on or, you know, something like that. It kind of spins you into an existential crisis where you're like, why am I putting this block here? And then what am like, I doing with my life? And you're like, oh, God, the sun's just going to explode in five billion years anyways. What's the point? Yeah. Well, this is, yep. this is something that we found. So we made a game called Quadrupus Rampage. Uh, I think it was about two years ago now. And uh, that's it's something that we have started to call the Pete Effect because Quadrupus Rampage, it's a roguelike brawler where you, you dive down to the depths of the ocean and you, you basically just beat the shit out of marine life. Uh, but it's like Aquaman we, the Simulator. <laughs> in, in a sense. I think okay. you don't get to call fish. Actually, I guess you do kind of get to call fish to your... Yeah. You get to have pet yeah. sharks and stuff um, while you beat up eels. So... One thing we found was we so we we made Quadrupus and it was mechanically tight and the combat was good and everything. We sent it off to reviewers, uh, sort of like for previews, and they were like, "Well, this is fun, but I can't really see myself playing it very long because I don't know why I'm even doing any of this stuff. Like, why am I murdering every fish in the sea?" Uh, so is, you know, it's to, to be fair, it does sound like a lot of work. The- point of <laughs> yeah. all video games is kill yeah. everything, kill everything. Well, and like, so and so what we did was do. we added this villain named Pete who at, at the very beginning so we just added a little cutscene at the beginning where Pete comes in and he's basically like I'm raising my fish creatures from the sea and they're moving up to the land to take over the land which of course and if then, you think about it for like four minutes <laughs> they're not going to do very well yeah. up there right? but you don't need to think about it for four minutes because then you just get thrust right into the action right. uh, because yep. then there's a sort of emissary named Grubby and he's like oh no you gotta stop this so, uh, so then we added some sort of like a series of boss fights where you fight Pete as you get further and further down to the depths and he gets harder and harder and you beat him up a little bit and then he runs away and then he gets some new weapons and then the next time you fight him the boss fight is harder uh, so so then we, we put the last Pete fight super deep down at, at 1,000 meters, which is about 100, that's 100 levels down. Um, and then all of a sudden, the game just completely changed in the way that it felt because you had a very good reason to be doing what you were doing, and it made everything yeah. way more fun. So uh, the weird thing about crafting games is that for whatever reason, the, like just the concept of going out in the world and harvesting stuff and crafting that in and of itself is compelling enough that most crafting games don't even need a story. But uh, we figured if we threw a story in there, then... Even better. It would be it even would, better. It would, help, it would help the people who, who can't get past the, okay, I should fight fish. When you give them a, right. hey, fuck Pete, right. that's that's the way, yeah, you bring everybody together for that. Yeah, yeah. it would be yeah, kind of like... some motivation. It would absolutely. Be like I mean, you're... I played playing Minecraft for like 24 hours. You're like, all right, I have scoured this land before me. I have built this tiny tower and this huge shaft of emptiness. <laughs> right. I'm done. Yeah, I, I right. guess a good a good comparison would be it would be like if you were playing Diablo, but there was no Diablo at the end, right? Yeah, and instead, right. it was just like you're just going to progress through all these different lands, murdering zombies. Uh, you know, and yeah, the gameplay is great, but it, yeah, and it would still be fun for most people. But a lot of people, after a little while, would just be like, what? What? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and then yeah. it would stop. It's a funny thing about humans, you know, we need reasons. Yeah. So, I mean, I think part of the, that was essentially one of the other uh, impulses with making this game in particular was that we wanted to take the crafting genre and, and hopefully crack the door open a little bit for people who necessarily haven't, uh, you know, like you said, Brian, who don't necessarily get into a game just, you know, to build 
a tower in the middle of nowhere for no reason. Um, Rare is the person who looks at a, a cu- cu- cusp of trees and says, I see an enterprise before me. <laughs> but sometimes you have to give people a blueprint. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, but the cool thing about that too is so we have this we have this pretty elaborate questing system in Crashlands where we can build all kinds of branching stories and uh, pretty much do whatever we want with it. So we get to tie the questing and the story into the crafting. So a lot of times it'll be you'll need to do something for an NPC uh, in exchange for a like a recipe or a schematic that'll allow you to build some kind of tool that you can use to progress to the next tier of content. Um, or you'll need to talk to an NPC and figure out how to build something that they need and then deliver that to them. So it's all very interconnected. So it's it's been pretty fun. We're, we're still in the midst of building all those uh, story elements, but it's coming along very quickly now. Yeah. Which is good. So who is this person and why am I building? Mm, you mean the main character? Yeah, yeah. Who is this guy? Mm, should mm. I you want me to take it? Yeah, go for it. All right. So you are you're a lady, Brian. Ooh, okay. So, so <laughs> this is fantastic, yeah, Brian. Uh, so so you're gonna need to get in that frame of mind, whatever that means. Uh, so you are a you're basically a UPS driver named your name is Flux Flux Dabes, and this is sometime in the future, and you are basically space UPS. So you're driving a space truck traveling across the galaxy delivering some packages. You got three packages on your ship. And in the midst of your journey, your ship suddenly gets stopped and pulled out of warp and there's an alien who warps into your ship and and is trying to find a a piece of tech called a quantum electro dongle. And he because he's working on a personal project. He's he's a hobbyist, you know. Uh, and he discovers that your ship has that, one. That is a, in, I'm going to stop you for one second. I'm going to say that is a fantastic name for a MacGuffin. <laughs> a quantum <laughs> electro is, dongle? Yeah, dongle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's an electro. It's better than a regular dongle. It's elect- electrified. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't so, want to use a regular dongle where this electro dongle's go. Yeah, so this, so this villain, uh, <laughs> he, he rips the dongle out of your ship, which causes your ship to explode. As usually happens when the dongle gets ripped out. Yeah, it was a, it was a really important dongle. And then you're so you have to round up your your three packages, and you have a little robot companion who's basically a hovering pallet. So you you throw the packages onto him. His name is Juicebox. Uh, you throw the pa- the uh, packages onto him, get in your escape pod, and you crash on the planet. And now all of a sudden, you have to figure out how are you going to complete your delivery because you don't want to lose five percent off your pension, which is what happens if you fail to make a delivery on time. It's extremely uh, important. Yeah, so so you need to f- sort of make do and figure out you have no ship, you're stranded on an alien planet, and you need to figure out how you're going to get these packages to their destination. So in the process, this means you know befriending the locals, uh, establishing communication with the Bureau of Shipping, which is, you know, that's your, your parent company, uh, trying to maybe get rescued, or if that fails, you know, build a build a ship of your own, or some kind of a mechanism to get the packages teleported or beamed to wherever it is that they're supposed to be going. Uh, so, so basically, I mean, at its core, it's just a story of a regular average person trying to do their damn job, and shit just goes sideways. So this is this is this is diehard for space truckers. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Precisely. It's, it's Die Hard meets Castaway. I would okay. Say. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> and instead of instead of a volleyball for Wilson, you've got Juice Box the mm-hmm. Palette. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So that's we, we actually we, so we went through several iterations of the story, and all of the original ones involved basically sort of like Earth being in a crisis, and and needing like new forms of energy or you know basically like humankind is about to perish and we need to find a new planet to live on or something and so you were sent as like a hero of the earth you know to go and try to save the human race uh but the more we tried to work with those like with those story ideas the more sort of tropey and and boring they felt because there, it's to me, and I think Adam and Sam probably agree, but it, it's a lot more interesting to have a a person who is just a regular person, just trying to do a regular, ordinary thing, and then suddenly everything just goes to shit, and they have to figure out how to you know put all the pieces together, as opposed to somebody who's you know selected to be a big hero up front. So yeah. Yeah, it it's turning out a lot better this way. Cool. Yeah. It's so. funny how the story kind of had to go opposite, where you had this huge epic grand scale and it was boring, but you bring it down to the mundane, like this this lady just wants to make her deliveries on time. Yeah, and, well, I mean, know, it's, it's also relatable. Yeah, and, and it's also great because, of course, the consequence of you failing... Uh, is actually not that big of a deal. You know, you, you lose 5% off your pension. Uh, but honestly, I mean, who signs but... <laughs> a contract like that? Because that sounds horrible. Well, this is the future, you know? <laughs> this is this is the future yeah. where... Is there options. no contract law in the future? Uh, was there no lawyer with, with uh, no, I mean with the, the ape saying, listen, the, lady, this does not sound like a good idea? I mean, the, the, free, the free market wins in the future. Yeah. So oh, that it, means you have no rights. So you just, yeah, you're, you just gotta, you just got to take whatever job you can get. Yep. So, so even if it's trucking things halfway across the universe, <laughs> at the cost of your future, well, at the yeah. risk of the now. future. And really, and really, I mean, your job could be done by a robot, but uh, <laughs> th- they, thanks, they choose to hire you. It's yeah, like, th- <laughs> thanks for some le- thanks to some legislation, you have to have a person, you know, on this ship to supervise uh, Juicebox, who is technically your boss, but uh, yeah. legally nice. his supervisor. So. <laughs> You know, the the future is a crazy time. It's a crazy place. A little complicated. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds it. Mm-hmm. Right, is the is the game a roguelike? Because it seems like everything that involves crafting these days is a roguelike. Nah. Nah. It's not a roguelike. Because Although, the shitty thing about crafting plus roguelike is that you spend a lot of time building stuff, and then all of it gets taken. Gone. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, who thought that fun. was a good idea? I mean, I know Don't Starve is pretty popular. So apparently it was kind of a good idea, but you know, but I don't like it. Well, I mean, I, I love Don't Star for something like, you know, twenty hours of gameplay or something until I just died, you know, one too many times and lost all of my hard work, and then I couldn't do it anymore. Well, so but until so then, it was great. Don't Starve has there's, there's a lot of games that are like this, and it's hard to avoid as a designer, but it has this very binary sort of a setup where there's a time in the game where you are starving to death. And everything is super terrible because you're on the verge of death from starving all the time. And then once you get set up well enough where you're sort of like growing your own food and 
you can easily kill and catch pretty much anything you need, then starving is not even part of the game anymore, right? So at the beginning, it's a negative, and then it doesn't exist. So well, I think that the most interesting thing to me is that most of those games end up end up going into more of a sort of a maintenance function. Uh, so for example, like yeah, yeah. nobody really. I mean, unless you unless you kind of learn to love just like doing, you know, doing what you're doing in a sort of very zen sense. Most people don't love, you know, doing the dishes and vacuuming stuff and cleaning their car and you know writing rent checks every month. Not to month. put anybody down who does love that because Tom Nook makes a hell of a killing off of that stuff. Tom Nook? Do Tom I? Tom Nook, the guy from this the uh, Animal Crossing. He's a little oh. raccoon that oh. leverage your life over to. Right. That's his, that's his game. The dogs agree. <laughs> Three right. dogs. I mean, the thing is, like, everybody knows that it's a super valuable thing to do, right? Obviously, Tom has, you know, has got a good gig. But when it comes down to it, most people, as humans, we kind of fail at maintenance activities. We're not very good at them. Um, because they're not particularly compelling on a moment-to-moment basis. Uh, and the same thing with, like, monitoring stuff uh just sitting there like watching a screen and waiting for something to happen is among like the most boring things uh, you can do so the interesting thing about about a lot of survival games in a sense is that a lot of what the underlying gameplay mechanics are involve involve some element of that maintenance which if you can if you can sort of like automate it enough then it's like a really it feels really good it's like if you could somehow automate your car cleaning itself by virtue of you know doing some other stuff in the real world it would be really awesome um, to take away that sort of that sort of pain, but uh, for the most part, it's a very hard balance to strike. I think um, so. We were just like, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna mess with like starving to death or throwing all your stuff away. We're just not gonna we're not even gonna step on that. Yeah, whatever you get, you get to keep, mm-hmm. unless you give it to an NPC for a quest or something, right? But, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Oh, and also we have the you have the ability to tame every creature in the wilderness as a pet. So yeah. there's that too. We we at, took some at inspiration. At the same time, or you can no. have all of them tamed. You can only have one accompanying you. Okay, so you can't have like an army of of tamed pets. Correct. Now that would be insane to balance. Uh, we have so so the idea the concept is you you can find creature eggs out in the world. And uh, if you then craft an incubator for that egg, you can place it in your base, and then it'll hatch over time. And then you get a baby version of that creature, which uh, if you have it follow you around, the more time it spends with you, the bigger it grows. And you can also uh, create some more powerful items that you can expose your creature to to evolve it into something, into a more powerful version of itself. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're the first game to ever have that concept of like a creature evolving, <laughs> uh, we're pretty excited about it. Definitely, better so. yeah, Totally, I, that sounds that never sounds been fantastic. seen anywhere before. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I'm. I am pretty sure you're probably the first people who have thought, "Hey, let's put an egg in the oven and bake it, and mm-hmm. it pops a baby." <laughs> so, that's how it works. I mean, I'm you know, thankfully, you know, that's good because if if I had to go to another kind of like breeding center um, that was run by an, an old man and his wife who at no point in time actually watched the animals I left there and let them get it on with whatever <laughs> frequency they did to create eggs. And then we're like, oh, hey, I don't know what happened. Here's an egg. And here's <laughs> just an egg yeah, right. of some kind. And then for some reason they tell you afterward, they're like, all right, you can take the egg now, but you're going to need to ride a bike. 
up yeah. and down this road <laughs> for like a good it sounds 15, like some kind minutes. of an ancient like mystical tradition that that nobody actually knows why they do it you know maybe they're not human at all who knows who the bikes <laughs> the, the bikes yeah the, the bikes eggs. the bikes are certain human <laughs> <to eggs. laughs> I appreciate the a lot of things in this story aren't human skipper. Sam <laughs> juice box is my boss so you know that's you that is what it, it is we deal with the future mm-hmm. live in the now damn right <laughs> uh, so so what are the other big components to the game besides um, oh, well actually I was going to say besides combat but we haven't really talked about combat how, how does combat work we have in the not game? talked about combat we, we've Adam, talked about wanna... crafting and, and baking eggs but we, yeah, well, that, we need I mean, to go the other thing. stuff like what, what do you yeah. do yeah the other thing about, about uh, crafting games is that they, they tend to be you know it's all about the crafting right I mean, that's always the, the major focus and even when it's a survival game, it's still really all about crafting and then not dying. As you know, are kind of the two parts. Um, but if you take something like you know Minecraft in it, in the way that you com- you combat things in the world, there's a handful of enemy types. Uh, you mostly just try to hit them, and with your water, I guess there's like three weapon types, right? And that's it. And and there's and there's not a lot of depth to combat in in those games. Um, so, and Terraria is a, a little bit different because they have you know some cool bosses and things that they've introduced. They do have a yo-yo in their patches, and they have a yo-yo now, which is that you can kill things with. Pretty sweet. That's cool. Uh, Those um, Star Tropics. That was a game you had a yo-yo and you could kill things with. Yeah, we all yo-yos are pretty lethal. Yeah, absolutely. When used properly. Yeah. And so, uh, so we so we wanted this game to have uh, more more depth on the combat side of things than than crafting games tend to have. Of course. It's not always the case that they're, that they're lacking depth there. Uh, so, so we we spent a lot. Of, we, we wanted a lot of the focus of, of gameplay to be to actually just revolve around your combat with the creatures that live in the world. And so that's what we ended up doing. So every creature that you meet in the world has its own set of of moves that it can make against you in combat. Each one is protecting a resource out in the world. So if you go out harvesting and stuff, and you harvest the wrong thing near a creature that's protecting it, then it'll come after you. And so you have to actually learn uh, each of them. So basically, each each uh, opponent you meet is kind of like its own little mini boss fight. So you have to learn its moves and uh, get used to fighting it. Um, and so we try to make it interesting the entire time. Yeah, and we also have um, so we have a bunch of different we have we have two types of ways to customize your character through crafting as it relates to combat. Uh, one is through these little things you can build that we call gadgets which are items that you can equip in your hotbar, and it basically gives you an ability. Um, so, like, one of them is called, like, the space-time folder, and it's literally a folder full of papers, but it also folds space-time, and it allows you to teleport s- somewhere else in the world, uh, or I should say somewhere else on screen, and it has a, a short cooldown on it. We also have uh, the stunning mirror, which is a little hand mirror that you hit something in the face with, and it stuns them for a few seconds. Uh, I don't know. We got we got probably twenty something uh, different gadgets that you can build, and you can equip four at a time. And then we also have trinkets, which are items that you can equip that have passive benefits, uh, which are pretty numerous. Things like you know, call down a bolt of lightning, or like a chance to strike lightning on your target when you hit them. Uh, run speed boosts, all that kind of stuff. 
So there's a whole bunch of different ways to customize your character in combat, uh, and it's all one-touch based. So if you want to hit something, you just click on it. It's pretty straightforward. You know, I guess kind of Diablo style. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and we have boss fights. But we'll we'll have more on that later as development progresses. Okay. Very cool. Very yeah. Cool. Now, as far as the uh, the crafting and everything goes, it mentions in the, the, the trailer that, you know, it's kind of like finger painting, that it's all very easy to do. Okay. What kind of stuff can you build in the game? There's mention of, like, a, a fetus pouch to <laughs> replenish your right. flesh or yeah, so something that's along a, those lines. Yeah, the, the, the fetus baby, uh, it's actually a, a, one of the a babies from one of the one of the resource slash creature things, weird things that you find. So, so you're consuming one of the, the eggs that you stole and you're uh, trying to get into a, a more like more sack? like a baby that got exploded out of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make more sense when you pick. Well, so, just for for context, one of the <laughs> biomes is called the bog, uh, spelled B A W G, and it's actually it's a giant creature that you're walking around on. So you're walking around on its fat and its muscles and skin and stuff like that. So instead of being instead of walking around on terrain, you're walking around on you know organs. And uh, so a lot of the things, a lot of the resources that you'll harvest there, uh, instead of, you know, chopping down trees, you're taking a, a like a trowel to like weird uh, parasites to pop them off of the ground and then like feed them to other resources to explode them and stuff. Uh, so the baby that you get to make this little uh, stem cell baby thing to heal yourself is one of the babies that come out of one of those weird organisms that's attached to the bog. Yeah. It's not, it's so not it's, quite human, so we're, we're still on the right side of things, I think, as far as... Totally. Uh, it's ethical if it's not a person. Super so. ethical. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's all sorts of crazy <laughs> stuff. There's, uh, there's like shock prods, you know, like basically a cattle prod sort of thing you can do to shock things with lightning. There's a thunder caller, uh, which basically sets up a, a thunderstorm uh, in a given area and then continually just shocks the crap out of things in it. Uh, all sorts of bombs and explosives, harvest bombs, which we were like, you know, sometimes you come across a big patch of stuff in one of these crafted games, and you're like, man, it'd be cool if I could just blow all that up at once. So we did that. Now you can. So you have, you could find like a patch of trees and then just throw a harvest bomb in there and take it all out. Um, so there's those sorts of things, and then there's, there's you know, taming items for the creatures, as well as a lot of trinket stuff, and then all sorts of furniture and weird... Uh, lamps and you know the, the usual sort of building a base gamut of of items if you're into that sort of thing yeah there's uh there's yeah, there's lots of base building items we have uh eight, how many tiers of armor and weapons Nin- 19 19 yeah. or something we also have a bunch of legendary items that are super hard to make and have pretty tough to get components um, and lots of gardening items, so you can you can sort of like put out patches of fertile dirt, and then you can you can even make seed bombs, where you pack a shit ton of seeds together into a bomb, and then just fling that into uh, into your garden, and it just explodes and flings seeds everywhere. So you don't need to plant stuff, you know, individually. That so, sounds great. We should have yeah. invented that by now. I know that it, it would that make farming a thing. It would make farming way more intense. Yeah, and loud. But yeah, we have about uh, let's see, about four hundred and seventy something things to craft, and 
eight hundred something items in all uh, throughout the game. So there's just there's just a ton of stuff. Is there like a book in game that I can flip through that I can go, okay, yeah, that's how I make this, or am I required to remember all of this crazy? Uh, no, you have to memorize everything, and we don't <laughs> tell you. You how also to have build. to discover every recipe uh, by random happenstance. Yeah, I it, liked it. Okay. It takes about three to four hours to discover any individual recipe. No, <laughs> just fuck with that. Uh, <laughs> just totally, totally. God, keep digging. Well, this sounds like so there, much fun. <laughs> It'll, yeah, be about, so, it'll be about 1,200 hours before you build the first item, so that's a lot of content. That's only if you put the components in the right order, which you just have to guess. If Otherwise, you fuck it up, over. Yeah, if you fuck it up, you start over. So Yeah, so going back to the idea of uh, creating an accessible crafting game, we were like, you know, it'd be nice you if you... guys are nailing it. If you, didn't, <laughs> right? if you didn't have to, you know, have the wiki up for the game or really <laughs> have, have the internet to play it as a single player game so you can figure out what in the hell you're doing um, yeah so the way the recipe system works is as far as this discovery thing goes is that you have a, you have workstations which are where you go and build your stuff um, and each of the workstations has somewhere between like 10 and 25 recipes in it and those recipes include stuff like weapons armor tools whatever uh, furniture anything but the important part is that some of them are unlocked by default, and then some of them you can see them. You can see like a sort of silhouette of them in there, uh, but you don't have access to. And those are ones that you either gain access to just by discovering them out in the world. So, for example, if there's a, a recipe related to like a log tree, and you're out on a sort of you know that's wood a tree that's made of logs, right? Yeah. Um, if you're out there, and you're trying good to chop down, chop down a bunch of logs, uh, then you'll occasionally after you blow up one of these log trees, you actually get a new recipe for something cool to make in that, in that station. Um, and then on top of that, through that, I appreciate, I appreciate materials that tell you how to use them. Yeah. So that's, that's basically what the, what the system does. So it'll tell you once you get a recipe for something, it'll show you what the components are. There's none of this. There's no like sort of spatial puzzle of how to put them in the proper order. You just, you just, you know, hit the button and it sucks all of them in and then they turn into something good. Oh yeah, and you can also get recipes through questing, which I think we right. mentioned earlier. But yeah, so those are the those are the ways that you can you can get new stuff to build. But no guesswork, because fuck that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sweet. So, uh, how how does everything work as far as the the transferring between devices? You mentioned that stuff syncs with the the B Scotch ID, but if I'm if I'm playing the game on PC and I just built this amazing base out of baby fetuses, mm-hmm. but sure. I as you to... are what to do, <laughs> common practice, exactly. Uh, um, but you know, I I gotta go do stuff, and so I take my phone with me. It's yeah. it's all just there. How, How does that, that work? Mean, go to the bathroom when you say do stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> that's. Yes, yeah, it's our hard day of, need... of building a house out of baby fetuses. Somebody will need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's our understanding that our players do only two things, which is play video games and poop. Yeah, so sure. we need to be there at all times. We need to make sure that yeah, that yeah we're there while they're uh, So it's yes, I, I need I need to go to the bathroom. How do yeah. I access my baby fetuses? Right. Uh, so right, we're not we're not sure yet if it's going to be a completely automated thing or if it'll be you have to like 
say you want to do it, and that might also depend on whether you're on mobile or PC, since mobile users might want to have the option of consuming data. Uh, but in general, it'll be very easy, where either you'll go to the pause menu or it'll just happen automatically, where your game progress will just be being synced um, to our servers. So uh, either you just have to tap a button and wait a few seconds, or you won't have to do anything at all, and it'll just be on the web. And then every time you boot up your game, it'll then check our servers to see if the version that, that the game has locally is more or less up to date than the one on the server, and then it'll download it if it needs to. So it'll, it'll actually be a very straightforward uh, thing that'll be very easy to do. So, so theoretically, I could have this on, on Android, an iPad, a MacBook, and a PC. Yeah, and totally. have the same world yes. yep. across all platforms. It is, okay. it is the exact same game across every device. Yeah, it's exactly the same. No, no corners cut. So, so a... You that know, sounds difficult. A world builder yeah. with a you know Diablo esque combat makes a lot of sense on a PC where you've got mouse and keyboard and all that kind of fun stuff. How, how does the game actually work on? A it actually device? works great on a t- so I w- we came from mobile, right? So that's that's where we had to spend a lot of time. This was originally designed as a mobile game, yeah, okay. exclusively. Uh, before it got out of hand, and we realized, hey, it's now big enough. We could call it a a, a real EP. game. <laughs> real game, a real game, also known as a PC game. That's a PC game. So, uh, so, so the the, I mean, every aspect of the design is is centered around being able to play it using touch. And so, you know, the the UI elements are big. There aren't very many of them. All those cool things like not having to do with your inventory and all that kind of stuff uh, were actually originally inspired because of how much of a pain in the ass it is to do that stuff on a touch, on a touch. device. Yeah, if you guys have tried to play Terraria on mobile, uh, I think it's a good example of. I, I'm not because that didn't sound like the best. It's, it's yeah, exactly right. I mean, no, no one's really done a crafting game from the ground up with touch in mind. Yeah, well, most even, things most things port to mobile instead. Of even stuff. Don't Starve, which is you know a lot of the similar kind of gameplay, which is a lot of just like click on stuff. Um, you know, they just released their Pocket Edition, but they only released it on iPads because they're like, well, technically, you know, it would take too much of an overhaul to make this work on a small screen. Uh, but ours was designed to work on a small screen from the get-go. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, the reason so that it, Don't yeah. Starve doesn't work is because of all the inventory management you have to do. Right. There's just too many yeah. slots you have to click on too much of the time. But it, I mean, it works actually very well with, with Touch. And actually, sometimes, in some ways, I prefer it on Touch. The, the one place where I don't is uh, during combat, once you have a lot of trinkets and gadgets and things. Because then you can use you know keyboard hotkeys. To, to have a, mo- a more yeah uh, to get quicker access to your stuff yeah to get quicker access to things um, which you which you don't have with it's just a single touch interface um, but other than that actually in, in a lot of ways having a, having a small phone we can use your two thumbs to tap on the other side of the screen is actually a lot of it's actually very fun as a as a way to play the game so surprisingly yeah, think, it works perfectly on both yeah and I think the uh, the the painting style of build mode is a really it feels just it's like, and you know, on a PC, you're still using a mouse, which is you know off the screen. It's not you're not obviously rubbing your mouse on your monitor. Um, but the interesting don't thing, don't do that. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it, kids. Don't, don't do that. Uh, that's the way. That's what I've been doing. Is that <laughs> the wrong. fun thing about doing it on mobile? Is that when you're you know when you're essentially rubbing your base into existence, you know, you're actually mm-hmm. it's like right under your finger. It's a very satisfying sort of a, sort of a feel to that whole that whole bit which is nice so i think certain things uh stand out a little bit more or less on 
your PC or your mobile, depending on what tools you have. But the game, the gameplay overall is is phenomenal. It doesn't require any rebalancing or anything um, between the two, which is cool. Oh, and another another thing that makes us really easy to manage is we we just have a lot of resolution options. So if you are playing it on, say, a tiny tiny little iPod five, uh, you can just tweak the game resolution, and it'll it'll magnify things for you and make the UI bigger. Uh, so that you can get easier access to stuff. So, yeah. so you won't see as much of the That's screen, awesome. but you know you can see enough to actually do literally all the things you need to do. And, and a lot of the game mechanics, yeah. in terms of you know NPCs talking to you or boss fights and where the camera moves and that kind of stuff, are actually dependent on the screen size. And so if you just if we just make the screen smaller, then it still feels like you're playing the same game that you have you know kind of a tighter scope of, of the world you get to see. Right. So it actually it all works. But the other thing that we're doing, which is along with this whole saving thing. Is is we're is we're using a web tool uh, that that I've been developing to actually build story and build all the the characters and build all the things that basically gets inserted manually into the world, and uh, and we're going to open that open that up for players to use. So not only can you sync your main uh, Crashlands game across all your devices, you can also go make your own game inside the world of Crashlands and download ones that have been made by other people and sync your progress in those as well. Mm-hmm. That's so right, gonna gentlemen. Very cool. <laughs> That's right. So is this kind of like a uh, little big planet level of being able to make your own stuff and, and share it with other people? Never uh, played that. I'm not familiar enough that to say. Uh, we, haven't really, we haven't really been on consoles and in many many years but uh but yeah it's it's basically it's it's a storytelling tool i guess i would say so it allows you to first of all there's a bunch of mutators you can do uh so you can you know put things in perpetual day perpetual night you can deactivate different aspects of the game Uh, you could just make it into a straight-up rpg if you wanted and just remove the crafting aspect entirely and make it so that players have to find their equipment uh, you can design custom boss fights. Uh, you can build uh, villages and cities and structures. You can create characters and, and design quests. Um, so it's, it's not going to be stuff like, oh, I've drawn a picture of this, you know, this couch, and I want to put that into the game. It's not going to be uh, that kind of a thing. It's more like using what's in the game. You can just design whatever you want. And, so. uh, and we'll have a web interface to, to interact with all this. So, so it's it's a it is a web tool. So you just you know open up a browser and you can go um, paint an outpost into existence just like you can in the game. Uh, and and it and they'll have a we'll have a web interface also for browsing it. So the idea there is to keep everything completely cross platform. So everybody goes to the same website and they're you know voting on stuff. They're downloading things, favoriting things, whatever. And then you just get to pop up in your game and, and choose among the things you favorited uh, for the game that you want to play at that time. Okay. So yeah, we think it's going to be cool. There'll be lots of player-created campaigns yeah. to play around with. I'm sure people are going to come up with some pretty crazy stuff that we didn't even conceive of as being possible. Definitely. So that's the point. Ooh, I think. Can can people put in their own epic voice acting and, and whatnot? Or... <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, being on mobile, uh, we don't have we don't have like the memory bandwidth for a lot of voice stuff because audio files are huge. So we don't really 
Yeah, right now the Anyways. game's only 51 megabytes. Yeah. So wow. we got to keep it under 100 for it to be a feasible uh, mobile game in terms of well, getting... getting well, there's that. And also, and a lot of, you know, we're, we're trying to keep things... Though we like to use profanity in real life and everything else. Um, we're, we're trying to keep yeah, our community from the very beginning as uh, as friendly as as possible. Um, and so, so having things like complete freedom to add audio files or make your own, you know, character assets, so you can make the art yourself and that kind of thing. It's a little too much freedom for players uh, because they tend to do really horrible things when you, when you do that, <laughs> that much freedom. Well, you just end up with a game filled with dicks. Just penises yep. everywhere. And so, so we and we don't want I mean, to have to still going to happen because but in a more it's still going to happen. Yeah, in a way that's that it's it'll be we're trying to make it so that people can't really easily just be offensive and, and then further you know try to break the game. Because um, there are lots of ways, even just with the tools that we've made, that you could kind of move around what you're supposed to be able to do and either break the game or just do weird stuff. Uh, and if we allow people to, to really do almost anything, then, then all of a sudden we're spending all of our time policing what, what players are doing instead of right. uh, getting to move on and right. either add content to the game or make or, yeah, or trying to think of every conceivable edge case of what a player might do and then make sure that that works, you know, which yeah. is a huge pain. So, screw that. We got to make the next game. You know, we got to we got to keep going. That's right. Awesome. Awesome, Brian. Do you have any more questions before we uh, take it to the end game? No, no. We have the end game of questions here, and we will. Uh, All right. We will take finish this up. Now we warned you at the beginning that we were going to give you uh, a little bit of a questionnaire. Um, it's more focused on you guys um, than on Crashlands um, or the 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 studio uh, with Bunny Rabbit Ears itself. Um, so all three of you feel free to uh, to jump in and answer. Sure. Uh, first question, um, kind of as warned. Um, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Mm, I think I know what Adam's answer is going to be. For this. Do Riku. you? <laughs> that was not my answer. Or is that Seth, is that your answer? Can, can you guys say Riku. who is giving which answer? Because especially right now, it's going to be very difficult. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is, this is Seth. And I'm going to say... I'm gonna say Riku from Final Fantasy X, not ten two, just ten. Yeah. Just ten. Okay. Still yeah. Terra strong, so still okay. That's fine. I yeah, think she I was would... a, She just had some sass. She's I would. Uh, I would go with uh, Super Meat Boy. I think that was Sam mm. talking. If, that was me, Sam. If anybody's willing, <laughs> that was you. Okay. If anybody's willing to <laughs> to die that many brutal ways that many times, you know. And love. watch himself do it. Right, and then watch yeah. afterward. And then grade himself for reasons unknown. Uh, then, yeah, right. got my vote. Yeah, Adam? Good one. Uh, I have, I don't know. I, the problem is all I can think of is my favorite games. Go really I mean, that's, that's what I would go with. But it's really just because <laughs> Half-Life is my favorite series of all time. It's... Oh well, yeah, because Gordon Freeman, Freeman isn't Freeman. really a, he he's not really talk. an interesting character. No, he's he's like the most boring character that 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 there can be. And you, you only the only reason he's a cool character is because you are him, right? And you're actually the one doing all the cool. So stuff. So basically, by liking Gordon Freeman, you're a narcissist. Exactly. Mm, nice. Kind of what it is. So, <laughs> so I can't really say. All I can really say is what my video, my favorite video games are because I haven't played enough games where I felt like the characters were really important themselves 
because I tend to I tend to focus on really action. But what about The Walking Dead, Adam? I haven't played The Walking Dead because I don't want to. Much like Gordon Freeman, I don't want to be sad. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I don't know. Clementine, Clementine. Did you guys? Did you guys play The Walking Dead? Clementine was fantastic. Oh my god! Yes, I was. I've I've spoken far too much about The Walking Dead on our podcast, so (laughs) we'll keep it light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> not shed any tears. Oh, never die. Bye. <laughs> all right, Brian. Next question. Move, move, move this along. We, we don't want to be sad here. Thanks. All right, all right, all right. Next question. Nope. Flipping the coin. Who's your favorite antagonist? Who's your favorite bad guy? Mm-hmm. Or girl? Favorite bad guy. Uh, it's... I, this is probably too cliche, but I have to go with Glados. Glados mm. is a great. From Gladys from Portal, mm-hmm. she's a great villain. She's a fantastic villain. Do you, yeah. do you prefer Glados as a computer or Glados as potato? <laughs> uh, potato Glados is really hilarious, but then she's kind of on your team, which then now she's kind of no longer a villain exactly. That's true. The one although she then she ends up still power, being a villain. She's like, all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're done so here. Hey, spoilers, man. Yeah, spoilers. Oh, I'm up. sorry, I'm sorry. Some people haven't played it. Yeah. For those of you, yeah, <laughs> goes those of you haven't. Uh, yeah, that's what I've It's still fresh, yeah, fresh content. <laughs> so, that's uh, how Valve keeps you engaged years from now. You know, that's right. When, uh, when Half-Life 3 is still not out, it's it's still spoilers. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say, this is Seth again, uh, I'm going to say Arthas from the Warcraft series. Okay. Mm. Uh, that, that motherfucker has... A fantastic sort of like a, you know, fall from grace kind of a story. Like he's a he's a paladin of the light, and he has to commit atrocities in order to try to save his people. And then he ends up going crazy, and becoming a super villain who, then tries to take over the world. Yep. Uh, it's it's great. It's and of course that story was told over the course of like, how long? I guess Warcraft three came out yeah. in two thousand. Yeah. Two, maybe? Right. And then Wrath of the Lich like, King was when it was like it 10 years. Yeah. 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 It was it was it a was long, so ridiculous. long, slow burn on that story. And I think Blizzard did a great job of uh, of making a really good villain. Yeah. Sam here. I'm going to do uh, Bowser. Ooh. For, <laughs> only for the reason that, like, as far as villains go, I mean, there's not much. There's just. He's just a villain. You know. Do you think Bowser gets a bad rap? <laughs> I do. Well, I, mean, I do think it gets a bit of a bad rap. You know, he's just trying to take care of his take care of his chids, his children, and, and kidnap a woman. Well, I mean, yeah. So I found out the other <laughs> day make an omelet, you know. that all those kids, only one of them is actually his. Okay, did he steal all the other ones? Because I, mean, I, I don't know if he stole them or if he just like uses he them as like some sort of like government scheme to collect money from the Mushroom King, but <laughs> only one of them is actually his heir, and that's Bowser Jr. Uh, I, I can imagine Bowser in his office, you know, sending off government documents to try to cash in on his, <laughs> on his yeah, children. You know, it's a lot of, at the end of, the, at the, end of the, the tax season, when you're turning in the, 10, the 1099 to all the toads, mm-hmm. uh, you life. fill out that paperwork, it helps to have a bunch of, I guess, illegitimate children on there to just Break in that money. Well, think about how many castles he owns. He needs he needs huge tax write offs. Yeah, that's true. He's got a lot of property tax. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't imagine they get much, but somebody has to pay the Goombas. So, are you telling me that really 
because Bowser owns so many castles, he's just trying to make ends meet to cover his property taxes. <laughs> I think so. And, and I that's think sort of the driving force behind all of his... So really, he just needs ransom money. Like, he's not really going to hurt the princess. Behind all the kidnappings? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, totally. It's all ransom money. And of course, meanwhile, he's got, for some reason, he's stockpiled all of his coins... Just, just distributed evenly across his entire kingdom, and then some fucking plumber shows up and just takes all of his money, which of course probably Bowser, Bowser kind of, like, kind of... understands <laughs> diversification in ways that only other people are. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Fuck banks! I'm just gonna lay my coins on the ground <laughs> all over the place, all I'm over this entire continent." Well, but then if he has his out. minions protecting him everywhere, yeah, then it actually it makes kind of sense. So basically, I mean, how could the you? The Mario series is a heist <laughs> game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The Mario series is heat. Uh, with yeah. Mario, wow, this changes Robert everything. So basically, naturally played by Alpino. So all right, so Bowser is just trying to protect his financial assets, and you're, everybody's got to make ends meet. You know, Mario's just a thief. Yeah. So Mario, yes, Mario. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, he, well, number one, I mean, you know, he's it's not even his land. I mean, he's coming in from New York. Well, he calls it his land, which is he, kind of what he New does York now. Thing, you know, the white man does that. Super Mario Land. Serious just comes in and stuff puts his, on. So, you know, he puts yeah. his flag down. He takes down Bowser's flag and puts up his own flag. Nope. Man. We're really exploring nope. some deep cultural issues here. Nobody nobody plants their flag in Princess Peach. I'm just going to, we're going to lay that out there. <laughs> Toadstool, you just don't do it. And then, uh, next question. Um, <laughs> next question. Yes, next question. Uh, question number three. Um, always a popular question that I never seem to phrase right. Um, how? What? What? What's a trend or trope in gaming right now that you'd like to see um, uh, proliferate even more? Something good in gaming that you'd like to see continue to not only be good but to grow. Oh, I had a funny one. Uh, the rest, the rust guy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We've been cracking up about this because there's so much because of. Me so Twitter. dicks or dicks? Yes. Well, well, I mean, okay. less well, penises. Less on the actual, on the actual what he did, and more on that the his approach, which is that we've gotten to a point now where because we're all so it's so easy to just like yell at people on the internet uh, that most people sort of feel feel extreme pressure to do what the crowd of the internet says to do, right? Um, and this dude, the guy who made who made Rust, they interviewed him yeah, about this he- whole the whole thing where you get randomly assigned gender, race, and and if you're a dude, dick-sized, right? Uh, and he's like, his response when everybody's you know, a bunch of gamers are getting very and it's, upset well, about and, this. And, and more importantly, it's tied permanently to your Steam ID. Yeah, right, it's permanent. So if you, if you delete your game and re-roll and start over, you're still going to have a small dick on your character if, if that's just the luck of the draw for you. Right. It's just the way it is. And I think I think his his approach is just kind of refreshing where he's like, look, I'm the one designing it and I'm pretty sure it's going to be fun and interesting. So we're just going to do it. And I know it doesn't make you happy, but, but let's just try it and see what happens. And you might, you know, send me death threats in the mail, but at the end of the day, you might have a tiny little steam penis. So I'm not going to worry about it. I I just think it's great. Well, you should take a step back though. The reason people aren't pissed about the penis size thing, they're pissed because they're being rolled as women or right. as black or as black people right right and they're like i'm not racist but but, but. i don't <laughs> i have a lot of friends of color 
Okay. But <laughs> anytime you put a butt there, you're yeah. There's so, uh, so the great thing about it is, of course, it's forcing people to realize that they are racist or sexist assholes, and they just have to well, kind of no, they just have to true. like stare at the face. Those people aren't capable of realizing this. Mm. That's true, but at least at least it opens up the opportunity for other people to point it out to them more vo- vocally. <laughs> All right, I think it's always good to have more opportunities. For sure. Yeah. So if you yeah if you're mad about the fact that your character is stuck being a woman, you're like, well, too bad. Yes. I, so I think I, th- I do think that that uh, a bit more diversity in games is is I think you know a even good if it's thing. even if it's forced upon the player base. I mean, who cares? Or, as, or especially yeah. if it's forced upon yeah. the player base. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. We're running around naked, hitting people with rocks. Who cares? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should be the least of your concerns. Well, I'm going to say uh, one of my one of my positive things that I'm I'm looking forward to in the future is is money related, which is uh, Apple. So uh, you know, a decent chunk of our business comes from iTunes as a formerly complete completely mobile studio, and uh, it seems like over the past six months or so, Apple has had this horrible realization. Uh, that they have been grooming all of their what 500 million customers to refuse to pay for any apps or games uh, by just you don't say by featuring <laughs> so many free apps and promoting them and everything uh, and so we've noticed a huge trend where Apple has shifted toward giving preference to featuring premium content so pay up front games and stuff like that yeah um, that pay once play forever yeah and uh and it's really refreshing to see uh you know a heavy hitter in the games industry actually making an effort to be like hey guys you know how there's a bajillion games on here well human beings made them and if you enjoy that content you know then you should support the people who made it so you can get more of that stuff from them otherwise they don't get to eat and they go bankrupt so that's crazy talk. So that's uh, that's a good thing that's happening. It's not really happening on Android, which yeah, is well, a den, I mean, den of thieves. Yeah. Well, it is, but I, but I think also <laughs> like I don't know. It's it seems to me that Google goes out of its way to not make money on things. You know, like well, they make enough many, money from their ads. Just yeah, they don't it, need to make you know? money on anything else, and so I think they just kind of choose not to. Yeah, or, well, it, I, that's the only explanation <laughs> I come up with for. for, for their behavior. Just, just think about like all the all the things that we use every day for com- completely for free, like Gmail and everything else, right? Um, well, they just we give, use, they just give away free stuff. We use those things for free because that allows Google to collect data on our activities, and then they can and target ads. Sell advertising, us sure. Yeah, um, but that's what I'm saying is like they don't they 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 get to use uh, Google Play as an advertising platform. On Google, because, we are because the they sell. Well, right. <laughs> and so when we're selling a game, we're actually not selling a game there. We're selling an advertising platform. Yes. Right? So it's actually better if we have a free-to-play game there with Google advertisements mixed in. But we're not going to. Nope. Well, we already do, actually. I mean, we already have a whole shitload, but we're not going to have another one. At least not this next one. Yeah. But maybe. Uh, what about you, Adam, though? What's your... <laughs> that, was, that was actually the one I was going to go with, so mm. now I don't. I don't. I don't have a unique third. Done and done. People, people becoming more willing to pay for the buy stuff. They, yeah. They use. Yeah. yeah. It, it would be great for this to pan out for the long term. So, so yeah, that's. I'm all for that, for sure. Mm-hmm. That works though. All right. 
flipping that coin, um, what are some things you just want to see go away completely? I think we've, you've touched on some of them. Mm. Yeah, well, that's actually the question I thought you were first going to ask. And then yeah. I was going to give the easy answer, which is still the one I believe, which is it seems to me that free-to-play as a thing is permeating the shit out of just everything it could permeate. Everything, even uh, stuff that's not free. Yeah. And on, so on, <laughs> on Steam now, all of a sudden, like... I don't even know. It seems like at least a quarter of games that that come out are free to play, and and I and I know like sometimes that model just makes sense for you know for MMOs and and really large multiplayer games where you just need to have a large player base. Then I you know I can see that but the, the you know the problem is that this just kind of leads more and more into into recruiting the kind of people who just aren't going to spend money on games, so that you it ends up making that the the product becomes less and less and less valuable. And there's also more of it. So there's more, you know, the, the barrier to entry gets lower and lower. So there are more people making games, fewer people making money off of games. It's just becoming a really difficult place to be. So I don't know. I would love to see free-to-play just not exist. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and throw my head behind that one. That's yeah. good. That's good by that me. Sounds, that sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, we do it. Like, our other games are free-to-play because we, we you know, saw no choice because we have to compete. Um, the market says. Do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we tried it. We, we, with our first game we ever launched, we launched it as a pay-up-front game at uh, originally two ninety-nine and then ninety-nine cents. It's about it's about twelve hours of story content. Uh, it just fuck loads of things in that game, uh, but we ended up with a ninety-seven percent piracy rate, and we lost two-thirds of our of our upfront investment. Uh, so we kind of learned the hard way that we had to we had to play by the rules of the market until we were big enough or had a big enough following that we could you know change things up, or that we could afford to have ninety seven percent of our people pirate the game, but there would still be enough people left that we could actually support ourselves. Right. Of yeah. The trend that I want to see go away is uh, <laughs> is well, I guess I would say two things. One is these weird micro consoles that pose as gaming consoles but aren't really that are super developer hostile I would say uh, <laughs> like the Ouya or the Kindle uh, Fire TV uh, I don't know we've, we've had just a lot of sort of sour dealings with these with these uh, groups in the past and none of them are designed for gaming, but they still try to sucker developers into uh, into putting their their apps on there, and it just never pans out for the the poor saps who actually uh, take the time to port their games. I think the the most pr- the the highest revenue game on Ouya within like the first year of the Ouya coming out was what was it Towerfall? Probably. Sam, do you know? And I think uh, yeah, I think it so made. And I think it made thirty thousand dollars, which, uh, oh, God. For, you know, for like a mid—that's the the highest revenue game on that platform. You know, for a mid-sized dev team, I think it was maybe like five or six people who made that game. Like that's that's clearly not enough money to support that many people no, over the course of a year. Uh, yeah, and so and, and of course, hundreds and hundreds of people bought into the the idea that they should put their games on there. But the whole thing about Ouya was. Uh, everything needs to be free, which of course comes right back to what Adam and Sam were saying, mm-hmm. which is that that idea needs to kind of go away. Yep, free. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Now I'm expecting gold from this next question. Uh, you guys, you guys have have gone to school for completely different things. You have started living your dreams and making games. Um, is there another profession that, given no restrictions, you would ever like to try? Motherfucking astronaut. <laughs> no restrictions, though. No restrictions. No restrictions. I'm going to space. That's it. Uh, are you going to deliver packages there, too? <laughs> space no, he's trucker. going to space for him. I'm, not for I'm, I'm the package. <laughs> you're gonna deliver yourself. It's to true. Yeah. If you're an astronaut, if you're an astronaut, you have underwear that says that I'm the package. That's. I <laughs> need to get some now. I guess. That's right. It's just say I'm the package and just have a big rocket on there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I would, I would, uh, I feel like we're gonna be going to Mars sometime in the next fifteen years, and I, I want, I, I'd, I'd go. Right. I would yeah, totally I think, go. Uh, I think I'm. I would be down to try something ludicrous like uh, professional playing League of Legends, for example. I think that'd be fun. I thought you were going to say That's professional Ouija boarder. Professional <laughs> Ouija boarding. <laughs> That's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds like it involves fire. That's That's fine. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Adam? Uh, I'd, I'd probably... I'd probably actually be a scientist as I was trained to be. Um, Adam loves science. Yeah, I, I fucking love science. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it turns out that doing science just like any other job um, brings with it lots of non-science related baggage. Uh, so Which is bullshit, because after all those years in school, it's like, I just want to fucking science. Yeah, but then you can't. It turns out you gotta do a bunch of yeah, other stuff. Got to write so, grants and jockey for your position in the lab, and yeah, well, and and you know, and convince other people that your scientific discoveries are are, are super exciting. Science, no, it's not even sciencey enough. It's not even whether it's good science; it's just whether it's exciting enough. And uh, which so you, you'll make some big discovery. People are like that's true, but I don't give but, a fuck. Yeah, so. well, yeah, it, it's not, <laughs> it, it turns out. That's exactly right. It turns out that 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 you know doing science isn't about uh, coming up with with reasonable answers. It's actually about how interesting your answers are, and which to me that that's not that's not science. That's PR. Well, that know? sucks too because I remember when I was first learning about science, and they were it's, like, and they it's were not like, what you learned it to be. Well, but they were like sometimes, or actually all the time, if you come to the conclusion that you can't draw a conclusion. That in and of itself is important, right? Yeah, and it is. Unless it is, but <laughs> you're trying to make a living being a scientist. Yeah. You just can't sell that. You can't go you listen. Can't, oh, that grant yeah, money? You gotta, sorry. You sell it. Yeah, you exactly. can't keep publishing yeah. papers being like, I have no answers. And yeah. I still so, I guess I never will. <laughs> but here's the proof that I don't have any yeah. answers. <laughs> you know, I thank you. Here's my money. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to get paid yeah. for that. So, so if I had infinite resources where I could just you set up a lab science. and I could just do science, I could just fucking publish it on a blog then that's what I would do mm, oh right my oh yeah my second choice uh, coffee shop owner mm. yeah that, is that just to get coffee or yeah. because you, you care yeah, about the no I'm not even a connoisseur really I just I drink a lot of it so I figure that would be an easy in you know <laughs> easy <laughs> just in. get a big yeah. supply that's true yeah <laughs> And given no restrictions, I mean that is a, that's a viable answer. So, ask yeah, astronaut coffee shop. Those are the. 
So <laughs> may, maybe you can realize this. You know, you make a lot of money from making video games. In twenty years, we're going to Mars. You set up a coffee the shop. First Martian coffee shop. Yeah. Boom. I like right? the way you think, John. That's I think good. that's Thank feasible. You. I can't see why that wouldn't work. No, yeah, it's totally feasible. What would you call it, though? Mm, I don't know. I got 20 years to think uh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Java Martian. Figure it out. Like Java, yeah. I think more importantly than what you'd call it, you have to figure out where you're going to grow the beans. Well, you know. Uh, if we learned anything from the book, The Martian, from you just the grow Martian. them in your own feces. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Sure, uh, I, I haven't read works. that yet, but there was that. Was it Red Planet? I think where mm-hmm. as long as you have like an awning, then you can plant whatever you want, and it'll generate enough oxygen to survive. Oh yeah, awnings, awning power. <laughs> Somehow yeah. it pulls the the five percent atmosphere out of the air or whatever. And, yeah, exactly, exactly. Just just have it. It gets tra- and traps it <laughs> under the awning, right? Yeah, that's how that works. Totally makes sense. Pretty sure. Sounds like that's science. science, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Now, are you guys gonna go see The Martian? Yeah, totally. I want to see Matt Damon signs the hell out of stuff. Oh man, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. That is, it's gonna be amazing. The book that was, was fantastic. That was a fantastic. I, I've I've heard the book was fantastic, but that trailer that was like, you know, I've got thirty days. I'm not gonna survive this, so I better start doing science. And I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, let's do it. the The first line of the book is, "I'm fucked." Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how the book opens. It is. It is Dear great. diary. Dear diary. Is I I am well. just <laughs> no, it's really good. You'd have to read that book. On a scale of one to fucked, where one is I'll be okay and fucked is where I'm at, I'm, I'm fucked. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, a pretty, that's a pretty fine-tuned scale that yeah. you've got so, there. There's a lot of room in the middle. Yeah. Personally, we're just at the wrong end. <laughs> uh, Next question, and I'm going to ask the original version of this question because you guys are fun and you guys seem like people who have seen John Carpenter's oh, Escape from L.A. I have not. I, have, I, don't, even, I don't even know what you're I talking about. I don't even know what that is. I guess we're not fun. Was he trying go, to go I'm doing drag. the next movie. No. no. <laughs> okay, fine. This is, this, fine, fine. I built this. This is where we're going. Right, whatever. <laughs> whatever. John Carpenter's Escape from L.A. is a fantastically bad movie um, starring Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken, uh, a, one, a one-eyed gunfighter what? who is just nuts. Snake Plissken? Snake Plissken. Plissken? Plissken. It's like Rumpelstiltskin. Yes. Modernized. Exactly. It's just alarm because that's such a common name. It just seems totally, weird. yeah. You <laughs> never, you never think of it anywhere else. Also, the one eye thing, also common. Yeah, that's totally. You know, mm-hmm. for gunfighter too. I mean, absolutely. It's all, it's all, it's all patches all yeah, here, the time. Here, you can, yeah, you can take grazes to the eyeball pretty easily. Yeah, they, eyeball fastest healing. Uh, you know, outside of like anything else, fastest healing organ in the body. Yeah, here you go. I've heard about that. Even when Keep it gets shot out. Tongue. I don't know, but none of this I'm saying is true. It should probably be fact checked, but I don't have time for that. So, regardless, um, my wife is correcting me in the background. But <laughs> uh, so, uh, Escape from LA. Um, at the end of this movie, this this fantastically bad movie, um, he uh, comes into possession of a remote control that uh, it gives him complete control over a set of government satellites that circle the globe. And with Ooh. one code, with one code input, he can send us all back to the Stone Age, where we have no power. Everything's kill or be killed. 
That sounds like the premise to like a thousand TV show one-off episodes. It probably was. <laughs> John Carpenter did it like sixth. Mm. Yeah. So pioneers. Yeah, yeah. It, you got to lay that land so that other people can do science on it. Can till it. <laughs> yep. With the 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 over overwrought. I don't know where I'm going with that, but still. Okay, so he's got the side. He's got this. Yeah, there. That's that's the premise for this. Okay. You get you get a memo, uh, whether it's like that TV show where you get a uh, you know you get a newspaper that tells you what's going to happen tomorrow. However, you think you get it, you get a memo that says that's going down tomorrow morning. You have one night. Any hmm. game you want. What game do you play? <laughs> what What if I play a game where I shoot snake? Rumpel Stiltskin in the face. <laughs> I'm sure that there's a Call of Duty Rumpel Stiltskin. <laughs> Pretty sure that was his name. Yeah, you just gotta guess I his name, and then you spend the next like four hours, you know, chasing him through a Whataburger. Snake Stiltskin or whatever. What game do I um, play? I would probably play. I would play freaking Mario for the Wii with some buddies. Because I don't know if you guys have played that you mean with the four new people. Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario for the Wii. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think Adam and I have played through the whole thing twice. Uh, it's some good shit. And it is probably some of the funniest co-op action you will ever experience in your entire life because of how you accidentally murder each other constantly. <laughs> so I think that's how I'd want to go. I want to say, okay, you know, last last thing, let's round everybody up. Let's we'll accidentally kill each other. Yeah. Well, if all this one-eyed pansy is doing is knocking down some satellites, then I'm going to just go ahead and play some internet-based game, possibly an MMO or something, because I'm pretty sure the power grid is still going to be fine. EMP pulses. So yeah, well, he, it's he's like, using he's like the, the satellites like the satellite to knock out like all electronics. Oh, yeah. man. That's the donate <laughs> part of this. Then fuck games. I'm just going to hit the road. Maybe yeah, I'm gonna go to Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was the problem with this question. Everybody is presented with it is like, well, I have probably more important things I should be doing than playing a game. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I just wanted to set a scenario where you have you have you, you have a chance to revisit something that you'll never be able to visit again. Well, yeah, I guess. So what, yeah. what if the scenario is uh, some neuroscientist finds a way to implant a chip in exactly the part of you, your brain that makes you enjoy playing video games, and will destroy that part of your brain? in 24 mm. hours. That's mm. an easier scenario, I How's think. How's that for a scenario? Well, that's, that's nice. It might be too precise. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good scenario. Again, if we're using the, 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 the tried, true, you know, scale one of it's okay and ten is I'm fucked, I mean, that's a little less than ten. <laughs> but still, you it know, is that's somewhere good. under ten. It's, good idea. it's somewhere so, under ten. So if you could only enjoy <laughs> games for 24 more hours, yeah, what would you play? Uh, no, you're not distracted by other things. Like being alive and stuff. I'd I probably, would probably play either old school SNES Super Mario World because I love the shit out of that game, or Half Life Two through Episode Two. Yeah, I just dig into my Steam library and find some of the games that I never took the time to finish. And finish. And those. Oh, you're gonna go finish those bitches. I've all, I've got a couple to put it lightly. Wait, yeah, wait, we all. We all do. It's okay. Have you seen the new website that calculates how long it would take you to uh, um, <laughs> Don't tell play me. all of your Steam 
games. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. I, I did amazing. it. I, it would take if I played ten hours a week. It would take me forty eight years <laughs> to play through all of my Steam games. So. Well, that I mean, ten hours a week. That's that's casual level right there. That's true. Yeah, Wait, does, that, does that include bring things that, like the number up to eighty? I, I I don't know. They they science it on the back end. I, I just typed in my username and it gave yeah, me a number. You should never trust science. other people's science. Yeah, that's that's real. I, I only trust other people's science. I can't. <laughs> that's craptastic. Ask your own questions. Get your that's own. That's why Adam develops all of his own pharmaceutical drugs in his own <laughs> living room. That's yep. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't tell anybody that though. It's probably he is the one who knocks. That's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Final question. <laughs> We're going to wrap this 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 up. Um, at the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and Toad is there with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Hmm. I would say maybe if he asked me first if I wanted to go in right now or if I needed to go back and, you know, like handle some stuff. Some stuff. Yeah. Like like that last conversation before the the final gauntlet of an RPG. Right, you're, right. You're like, hey, so if you now. do this, you can't. You can't go back. Do anything else. <laughs> right. If if Toad was like, hey, you know, <laughs> shit's about to get real. So if you if you need to go settle some stuff, you just you take your time. You know, you go back. Come back to me when you're done. <laughs> That's what I would like Toad to say. I don't need any of this. Like, you did a good job. Yeah. Give me I more. Give me more time if I need it. If I'm done, yeah. Exactly. I think uh, I don't know what I'd want him to say, but I think what he would say is probably some shit like, you know, he'd be like, "Really? I mean, you you had the opportunity to live a full life, and you were on Twitter and Reddit and shit like that. Like, really, man? That's what you did with your one life? Because I I certainly spend time on those, and it's disappointing every time I do it. Yep. So. I should really stop, but you know, business. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's a business time expense. Yeah, I mean, one of my lifelong dreams is to is for us to you know become independent enough that we can shut down our our Facebook page, shut down our Twitter account, and if basically you know in order in order to talk to our our fans and stuff like that, we just use our forums, and that's it. No more tweets. No more Facebooks. None of that nonsense. Centralized. Yeah. Centralized. Talk, talk to the people who, who matter. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't know what I would want him to say is, I mean, g- given the theme of the question, is, uh, is you know that was one life down. You've got two left by default, though maybe you earned <laughs> something like 99 more of them by playing that little fucking... No, but nobody has ever brought up the default amount of lives. Toad would be like, what are, you, what are you doing here, man? Get back down there. You got yeah, like you got, you got left. <clears throat> uh, and, and if I played my cards right, then yeah, if I, if I went to that little level over and over again where you just mine lives and Yoshis and, and feathers so I can go back start over again only this time with a Yoshi and a feather then that would be that'd be a pretty pretty this time you setup. want a magic cape that's a fair yeah that's a fair ask yeah so I guess that's that's my that cape is the shit yep. that cape is the shit yep. alright Jonathan we're we far far out you need to take us home 
<laughs> Take well, us guys, home, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and, and talking about Crashlands and a whole bunch of other random stuff. If That's you could, if you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more about Crashlands. Yeah, you Definitely. can head to Crashlands.net to not only see the trailer but get all the written info about it. Sign up for a launch day email or even pre-order it for Steam, PC, and Mac. Yeah, there's there's no pre-order benefits or anything, but you can just do it. You just get to do it. You have <laughs> the satisfaction of knowing that you will get the game as soon as it's available. Yeah, that is right. right. It, it eases the burden of you feeling like you need to save those fifteen dollars for later. You, know, you can just spend right, it, yeah. spend it now, and boom, it's like, free and clear. What, what happens if I spend it between now and the launch date, and then I don't have it then to you, buy the then game? Then you can't have the game. So if you have it now, worried. you should just well, spend it now. Maybe buy six copies for your friends, you know? <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. That, that would work. Uh, all right. Well, guys, thank you once again, and I uh, wish you the best of luck as you, you know, finish the game up and, and head towards release. And look forward to talking to you again as you uh, head towards your, your next game. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. We are practically spanning the entire continental U.S. with this podcast. <laughs> very, very nearly. Very nearly. In New York and actual California representation, we haven't said. Yeah. Well, California couldn't be here because their internet dried up. Mm, yeah. Thank they're you. Thank a, you. I'll be taking tips. We're <laughs> taking shitty tips. Uh, actually, I, I think no. in this case, the, the internet would have washed away in a mudslide. Oh, did that mm. just happen? Cause did it like rain a little bit and like bad things happened? I don't remember. Probably. I don't oh man! So I get all so my news from the... from Reddit, so I have no idea what actually happens in the world. <laughs> it's, a, it's a terrible uh, place. To I used to. <laughs> it's a silly place. It's uh, a silly place. How much profanity is allowed on this thing? All of it, as seven, much as you want. Uh, yeah. 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 You we get tend seven. to we tend toward the profane. So you guys are. We are, we are you can, you can you can work blue. That's good. We that's are fine. technically an explicit con- podcast. Um, sometimes we're not. And generally, sometimes that's we're my very, fault. So, you know, Jonathan, that's a that's a fucking Pandora's box you're opening right there. Let me tell you, that's right. <laughs> is it? Is it not? It a is a fucking Pandora's box. It is. Well, yeah, that's the best kind. Of it is the best kind of box that leaves <laughs> no hope inside. <laughs> uh, so, how do you guys usually format these? As far as like, what do you like to do? <laughs> Well, the, the Hello, dogs. dogs. <laughs> Kick it off with a herd of dogs. Yep. Become uh, herds, right? As on cue, uh, the, the dogs bark and uh, and we just start talking. No, actually, we, <laughs> we like things to be very uh, conversational. So we start off talking a little bit about who you guys are, uh, a little bit about the studio. Then we move on into the, the game. And then we end things off with a little questionnaire that is... Um, you know, it's it's more personal. It's very difficult. I've decided that I, I should start just warning people like straight out from the beginning of the podcast. Like emotionally difficult. Like, it, it can be. It can be. It is. Does... It is things like who's your favorite video game character, and that's the uh, easiest one. Okay, so I need to think about video game related favorites for this list. Is what you're telling me. For the first two, yes. After that, it changes. <laughs> it's all sort of related to video games, but you know, oh, man, it's... I don't have a lot of favorites of anything. That's a, you only kinda... need two favorites. 
Okay. You need other stuff. Yes. Other but I'm not going to tell you what that stuff is because okay. then you would have time to think about it, and it'd be a lot less entertaining for us. Mm, okay. All and right, that's really it. what this podcast is here for—to entertain Brian and myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we actually we do one on uh, on Wednesdays, and we realize that's that's the pretty much the purpose that, of that, that one is too. Its sole purpose yeah. is self entertainment. Yeah. It it is indeed. I mean, we we it do gave one me on... a reason to buy a pop filter, so. I needed yeah. an excuse to buy one. A pop I, filter. I bought a they, pop filter. I can't really tell a difference. They, yeah. Well, you know, they're like eight dollars. Yeah. So I think I, you get. I, I think no you get. Wearing your <laughs> I think you get eight dollars worth of pop protection. Probably. <laughs> so. Yeah. Probably. But yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of the the general format of the show. It cool. tends to go between so, half an hour and an hour so if you guys need to jet out uh, let us know and we will accommodate we have many private jets Jonathan so we'll have yeah. to <laughs> be boarding one of those soon alright yeah, good, no. good to know does it have a Wi-Fi on the jet though uh... it's, uh, it's, it's a manual transmission it's, <laughs> it's pretty old it's got, the clutch has been wearing out in it in the so jet. no Wi-Fi either the jet collection. Manual windows. It's got the windows you got to roll down, you know? Yeah. Super hard. When you're going like 700. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's how this podcast is going to be. That, uh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> so that's a hard window to open. It is. What, yeah. Would it really be that hard to open? I feel like it's, it's, it's actually harder, harder to close. To, yeah, it's harder to close, close it. I imagine that. <laughs> once you open it, uh, it's harder to close once you're passed out. <laughs> and when it's, the wind is blowing in at 700 miles an hour. Well, yeah. But once, or you, the, once, you come, once you come back down, you know, after you pass out, once you get to a good height, at that point, it's... It's know. easier. Yeah, the yeah, first, that's yeah. true. Yeah. It almost closes itself. First it order does. of business in a crashing jet is to roll up the windows. You might even say <laughs> that if you go down fast enough, the whole plane closes itself in on itself. Absolutely. <laughs> that, 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 go down fast enough, and that open window is the least of your problems. Yeah. So we keep things simple. But it's still probably going to bug you until the end, just because yeah. that's the yeah, way yeah. windows are. Yeah. Oh, man, I already finished my whiskey. I'm almost done with my beer. I don't yeah. even have a drink. Disaster. I have ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, ginger ale is fucking awesome. Uh, and this, this is Red Rock Golden Ginger Ale, so it's that spicy. sounds really fancy. It is, it is fancy. It's I like see uh, glass uh, bottle. It's ten ounces instead of you know something normal like twelve. Ooh yeah yeah. Uh, you know if it's a weird number of ounces, it's got to be fancy. It is. It's super fancy. Yeah. That's how you know. Who anyway, makes uh, a ten ounce bottle. <laughs> the, the company <laughs> called the Red Rock. I don't know. They they've been making ginger ale with just the right bite since 1885 in Atlanta, mm. Georgia. So They've been refining whatever. their ounces. They're like, yeah, it's just 10 is just, it's just the right amount. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You drink more than that, you don't feel good. Well, this stuff it, really does have like a bite to it. I don't know if I would want like a 20-ounce bottle of this, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> so it, There probably you know, ten, is some, some science to it. Science. 